Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today, myself, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Hoppy are talking about Dark Phoenix. We're talking about Charles, Professor Xavier, and the choices he makes. We're talking about what do you do with mutants who cause problems and hurt others? We're talking about can a group that is hated and feared be the perfect model minority and become loved? And we're talking about just how badly did they take the Dark Phoenix story and wreck it once again? All that more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by Ashley and Paul. The three of us have been having a great time diving into some things. And recently, I had the urge to watch some X-Men movies. No idea why. Not connected to any TV shows or anything lately. But I realized I had never seen Dark Phoenix. I'd heard a lot of horrible, terrible things. I'd heard some good things. I wanted to check it out. And I started watching and immediately realized there's... Okay, so there's there's a lot of feelings people have about this movie, good and bad. And we'll talk about that. But there's also... This movie raises some of my favorite questions about the X-Men, about mutants, about heroes, and I wanted to get some folks on to talk about it with me, and Ashley, I know you're a huge X-Men fan, and Paul, you and I have had a lot of conversations about these movies, so I'm super excited to dive into this with both of you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to actually talk about this movie, because I don't think I've gotten the chance to with anybody, Mm -hmm. and I have a lot to say. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting that, looking back, I kind of... this is the first X-Men or any kind of MCU superhero movie I just didn't see. And I think it's because it came out right when a lot of the, you know, we were right in the heart of the MCU and so much was going on. The last couple X-Men movies had not been very good. But I mean, looking back on it, I'm kind of wondering why I never saw this. I think it's just like it, the X-Men had kind of faded from it. Oh, faded by, by interest by then, I guess. We all knew Fox was buying. I'm sorry. We all knew Marvel had bought Fox. And so this timeline was kind of going away. Paul, what about for you? Did you see this movie when it came out? Did you have big excitement about it? What were your where were you about it? Um, yes, no, and somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, you know I, I'm just kind of along for the ride today. I'll say, <laughs> but uh, I saw this movie when it came out. I did not rewatch it. Um, Lee actually didn't want to go see it, which is weird because she, she's the one who's actually much more interested in the X Men in general and. Um, but she can get kind of turned off by horrible reviews. So, um, I think seeing them butcher the Dark Phoenix storyline once was like enough for her because it was, it was, um, a storyline that I, I know she really enjoyed from the earlier portrayals. Um, and you know, and so had I. And when when I saw the first Dark Phoenix, it wasn't a Dark Phoenix. What was it? X3, right? Um, Mm -hmm, where they did the Dark Phoenix storyline. I was sort of like, okay like i just kind of thought it was a bad movie and you know she was like no it's a cool storyline in the you know in the animated series and in the comics and i saw the animated series um and you know i my opinion might have been swayed by the amazing theme song um okay that just kind of <laughs> gets you in the mood to like anything but no. <laughs> but i do the animated feel, one was great it's so good <laughs> so good um i mean there have been actually several really good animated x-men series um mm-hmm but like and and i liked the storyline in that and then i saw it here and i was kind of like eh, you know like i wanted to see it yeah. cuz i mean sometimes there's just certain movies that i'm just like yeah i'll just see it when it comes out um i really like going to movies in the early afternoon i think there might have been two other people in the theater when oh, i saw no it oh no way me too yeah, me too right <laughs> Um, it's, you know, it's a great way, I think, to experience movies. Like, I don't really need a ton of people there, like, telling me when to laugh or whatever. But, um, 
you know, there were definitely things early on in the movie, especially that was like, oh, this is a really interesting take. Um, yeah. And then something happened. And I was like, nope. <laughs> Um, and i think the movie suffered from some kind of you know corporate overlord overthinking type stuff but i you know i ultimately i wasn't that excited to see it i wasn't super disappointed because i wasn't super excited to see it and um you know it was like there was some good stuff there was some stuff i didn't like and yeah kind of like it didn't feel like it was the worst x-men movie ever made Mm -hmm. it's like apocalypse yeah. <laughs> Wolverine Origins. <clears throat> Wait, that's the yeah. One no, I mean Daniel the bar McGuire. for worst X Men movie. There's a couple of things fighting for it, and I think I would agree. With you. This is not one. Um, I'm glad that you brought up X three because I think at a later point I'm also going to do an episode about X two and X three mm-hmm. and the idea of like identity in the X Men movies because that's a powerful theme. Personally, I think X three is a fantastic pilot for a season. Hmm. <laughs> and that, like, there's so many great issues that it re- that it raises. Right. The Dark Phoenix being one where it's like, okay, cool. Give me an eight or 12 episode arc and explore this. You're right. The Dark Phoenix is not really explored in that movie. It's not really explored here. I still have no idea really what it is. We're going to talk about that, I assume, somewhat to this. Um, But yeah, I I realized I just had – so I had very low expectations going into this when I rewatched it a couple nights ago. And I found the first half of it I really enjoyed. We get to a moment that made me incredibly angry. I think – Paul, it's the same one, I'm guessing, for you. Maybe not. Probably. Um, and spoilers for X-Men oh, yeah, Dark yeah, Phoenix. spoilers. Um, it's when Mystique dies. Because yep. she'd been far and away my favorite character. Yeah. Um, but then the way that that's handled, it, it raises a lot of the questions that I wanted to get into today. But then the last half of the movie just felt incredibly weak. It felt like, and I, I've heard some of the same corporate shenanigans you have about, like, that they didn't know what the that they were worried this movie was going to seem too much like some of the MCU movies. Specifically Captain which, you know, I mean, Marvel, right? Yeah, which, you know, Captain Marvel, I've also heard comparisons to Civil War or to um, Endgame and stuff like that. Um, and so it just seemed, I mean, like, it just seemed like an incredibly... Honestly, I, I felt at the end of the movie, like, I would have loved this movie a lot more if the Dark Phoenix had never been a part of it. Mm. <laughs> it had just been about, like, Jean and her powers and where the X-Men were, which says something about the main idea of your of your movie. Right. Uh what about for you? Uh Ashley, I know you liked a lot of the parts of this movie. What was your what was your take on this movie? I'm I have a a real soft spot for the X-Men movies just because it kind of I, I love the X-Men. I remember going to the comic store every week to get my special pulled 616's comics put to the side to me. I loved the TV show and Dark Phoenix when I was younger was my absolute favorite character. Not Jean. Mm-hmm. But right. when that whole Dark Phoenix saga came, like, I couldn't get enough. Like, I have artwork in my house still that's Dark Phoenix. Um, so I am a little bit more lenient on these X-Men movies, which is totally not like me. <laughs> yeah. But I I see this one. I see what they were trying to do with this one. They knew that it was the end and they had to make a complete story. And I think if you look, I went on this journey with you. I didn't tell mm-hmm. you I was doing it, but I rewatched all the movies this week too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> certain characters like Eric have complete story arcs that f- come to like a really good ending in this one and there's certain things from that that i can focus on to be like okay this made this a really good ending to a somewhat sad attempt to to go back and change the things you messed up in the first three because i felt like days of future past was them just trying to fix what happened in x3 Mm, like you have to go back in there somewhere and fix all that stuff you did and honestly it kind of felt like you know 
Simon uh, Kingberg was doing what Charles did and just, you know, just trying to do what he thought was right. (laughs) (laughs) And even though, and I, go ahead. I actually posted on our Facebook group about this. Days of Future Past now creates another timeline that these movies aren't a part of, as far as I can tell. And there's a rogue cut, too, <laughs> which I really recommend. It was I liked it a lot better than the original one because they, they go deeper okay. into Mystique and Hank's, like, love story. Like, that's where it starts right. because it kind of seems out of nowhere in this one. But it does mm-hmm. start all the way back in Days of Future Past. And they cut the whole yeah. thing out. Um but the, the problem with these movies is they don't consist the, – the canon. It doesn't consistently make sense because if you watch the end of Age of Apocalypse, she's already displaying this phoenix power. And it seems like they right. rewrote the entire Dark Phoenix movie after they already had plans for what they were going to do with their character because the ending of that movie now doesn't make any sense. When you said uh, there was a Rogue cut, I thought you meant there was a cut where Rogue was an actual relevant character who did badass things <laughs> as opposed to the totally nerfed version and. She is in it. She's in it. She takes over Kitty Pryde's um, position. Because remember, uh, sorry to get left field. In Future Past, remember when he slices Kitty open? When he kind of wakes up again when he sees um, Strike? Well, he pretty much almost kills her. So Magneto and Bobby have to go save Rogue from uh, like uh, wherever they're holding mutants in that future. And they bring her back to keep. She uses Kitty's powers to keep him in the past. Oh, I could watch that. Oh, it was so much better, dude. (laughs) I'll definitely have to watch that yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> this is a totally other topic, but in that one about identity we're doing, Rogue will definitely be a big character yeah. because the whole idea of the cure and her desire to have the cure. Uh, and, Rogue, why? Uh, <laughs> they were using her powers to uh, make the Sentinels better. Right, right, for sure. And I think I think there's just, there's, I, I think that whole, I'm the, <clears throat> as someone in the disabled community, I think the, the debate about whether or not to have a cure is a very real one. And I found that. You know, I, I could understand where Rogue's character was coming from as well Absolutely. as the other side of it, for sure. But putting all that aside, that's for another episode. Um, okay. Let's use this to dive into Jean's character because what you said, Ashley, in some ways kind of gets to what I mean about how I'm kind of happy if for this conversation, at least the ethical side of it, we kind of ignore a lot of the whole idea of this thing from space to begin with because, it, as you said, I feel like they already showed us some of that Dark Phoenix at the end of Apocalypse, one of the only good things in a mostly very bad movie <laughs> um but i let's so let's talk about gene's character because i think to me one of the most interesting f one of the reasons why i love the x-men so much is all these questions we've talked about that seem to be at the heart and soul of so much of what superhero ethics is all about ideas of if you have a group with great power who are they accountable to who has control over them what's the relationship between the larger community and the community with powers, how do you bridge those gaps? How do you adjust that? And the the fact, you know, Xavier and Magneto, um, X and Magneto have such different opinions on this. Um, one of the reasons why I love this, the first class quadrilly, I guess, of movies, since now it's kind of four of them, if you include Days of Future <laughs> Past, is that instead of it being, you know, Xavier good, Magneto bad, and maybe Magneto okay... It really shows both Magneto and Xavier having a lot of positives and a lot of flaws, especially Xavier. Um, so let's talk about Jean's story and especially Charles's role in it. What What's your take on Jean's character? Like, I, I guess what, we're, what we have here is the person who is so powerful that she needs some protection from everybody else. Or everyone else needs to be protected from her to some extent. It's It's a shame because you do kind of see 
where Charles is coming from with that stuff. Like Charles means to do good and his best intentions are always at heart, but he just thinks what he thinks is the best for everyone else is what's right. And that's kind of like taking away their free will. Right. And that's what's wrong about it. And, you know, that's how you create supervillains. I realize I should do a quick summary for anybody who either hasn't seen this movie or who has seen it, um, but it was a while ago. Yes, please. So the idea is that we start out by learning that Jean, um, when she was a young child, her powers started to manifest. She was in a car with her parents. Her parents got concerned. There was some, like, arguing. The car crashed, and it seemed that both of her parents died. We later learned that actually her father lived. Uh, her father was, you know, and we can d- discuss how understandable or, or horrific or, or legitimate this was from his perspective. He was very upset about it and sort of felt like he couldn't, you know, raise her anymore. And so Charles creates a situation where Jean believes that both parents are dead and also that Charles is kind of like putting up mental blocks to limit her powers. She finds out that uh, this happened. She she confronts her father. She loses her temper. She gets angry. Um, her father says some kind of very hurtful things about how you know you're the you're the person who killed my wife, etc. Et your mother, etc. Um, fighting ensues, and uh, Mystique winds up getting killed as part of trying to stop Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, Jean then flees and winds up going to Magneto for a while. We find that Magneto is in this kind of like X-Men separatist community, which is a whole awesome thing we'll definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, they connect, but but clearly he, you know, he wants to sort of support the idea that what she did with her powers, but he also knows that something terrible happened and she won't tell him. Um, and there's blood on her shirt and he keeps saying like, whose blood is it? Whose blood is it? Um, you know, he basically is saying like, you know, where's the kid string? Uh, it's a great, great <laughs> Where's the boy for, at? Where the boy <laughs> at? Exactly. Um, because of course we know that Magneto had very strong feelings for Mystique himself as well as all of that mm-hmm. um, discussion 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 we, you know there's a whole bunch of, about how much this is Xavier's fault Hank and uh, Magneto wind up teaming up to try and take down Mystique the rest uh, to take down Jean Grey the rest of the X-Men uh, fight them they confront and then the movie ends well we're leaving out the, the villains <laughs> I know, I that know, I didn't care point. about. <laughs> I know. I, I'm leaving out all the Dark Phoenix stuff. And um, uh, that that becomes a whole other thing where what we also find out is that there's this Dark Phoenix power. Ugh, even more of a side word. note. <laughs> even more of a side note. Did anybody care to look into what the villains were? Because I still don't know. I'm going to guess. They were scrolls. Idea. They were scrolls. Like, is that what they were supposed to be? They don't tell us. We have no idea. I think there's another um, uh, alien race that's like scrolls but isn't scrolls that is used. Um, yeah, the the Dark Phoenix controlled the universe. It built the universe. It it it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not. A, it, it it needed so much more. Yeah, um, they just needed to make it. They were like, you know what? The people are getting mad that we're not following canon, so just make it something from space and make right. it red. Well, well originally the the space thing was like a super critical part of the dark phoenix story right yeah right and well here it's like in there but it's not like the point is the fact that you can't summarize the movie effectively and the (laughs) fact that we don't even know who the villains were like (laughs) yeah and that that doesn't that doesn't feel like super deliberate it's not like mysterious right it's just again because this isn't a, a movie review let let's let's focus on that ethical stuff from gene and charles's story and let's get then to the Dark Phoenix part, which I think is kind of separate. Okay. Um, 
But, oh, I should say, actually, one of the very important part of this, though, is that they wind up going into space to rescue a space shuttle. And during the course of it, Charles is definitely pushing them very hard and making them take risks that they're not sure they're ready for right. because he thinks it is so important that everybody love mutants and that everybody see the mutants as the big heroes. And that that's something that Mystique is very concerned about. And that will become a, an important part for Charles as well. And that while they're in space is when she gets hit with the gamma rays, dark radiation, right. plot point, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, right. But okay, so let, let's going back to, so we have this mutant who has incredibly strong powers that as a child she didn't have full control over. People got killed. People are upset. Charles takes action. What do we think about what Charles does here? Again, he's doing what he decided is right. Mm-hmm. And nobody can tell Charles anything different. By this point, he's just full of vanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I think convincing her that her dad is dead, like, is not okay. How old is she supposed to be in this movie? By I think she's point? supposed to be, like, eight or nine when it happens. And then probably, like, 1920 when um, the main part of the movie happens. Yeah, so I think there's maybe some argument to be made that doing some sort of psychic intervention to sort of help her through the trauma Mm -hmm. until she learns to control her powers could be justifiable, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think then just being like, all right, we'll just leave it that way, you know, um, is totally unjustifiable. And I think by the time someone's you know, 19 or 20 or however she old she is um, in this episode, uh, I think it's unreasonable that he would not have actively been like, okay, let's actually address this and try to um, help you kind of resolve, you know, your, your life story, essentially. Right. His character has a history of doing this. I mean, he did it to Moira. Right, and yeah, was, yeah, no, that's... so, it, yeah. it's just... And that's, that's just why totally Mys- not okay. Mystique's face when right. she's seeing, like, oh my god, how many people did you do... Th- like, did you do it to me? Mm-hmm. How many people yeah. did you do this to, Charles? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, Xavier is my perfect example of the problem of the do-gooder with so much power, where mm-hmm. once you start telling yourself that I'm using my power to do good, and thus anybody who wants to stop me is getting in the way of doing good, because I think you said this so well, Ashley... He's not accountable to anyone. You know, there's no one who can tell. He's not sitting down with anyone to say, hey, here's what I think we should do with Dark Phoenix. What should we do? Right. And his, so much of his vanity is tied in it. I think, honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is they do such a good job of showing, you know, he has the personal phone number of the president. Yeah. He has all this respect and he has, um, you know, all this power because of it. And I, it's corrupting. Like, yeah. not, not in a kind of like makes him evil way, but in a like makes him, you know... It's very hard to start saying you're wrong when, right. when and when so much of his like I feel like Gene puts him in this very difficult situation because his whole shtick is, hey, look, world, mutants aren't scary. Mutants aren't dangerous. Mutants are, in fact, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And when someone like Gene comes along who is actually possible, and I think a lot of them this is true of, I mean, like a lot of humans in general, but like there is more danger than he wants to make it out to be. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge to him. And so he can't acknowledge that maybe he's wrong or maybe more is needed here. 
Yeah. It's like Hank is all of us in that scene after Mystique's funeral. It's like he's holding mm-hmm. up a mirror to Charles and Charles is refusing to admit he did anything wrong and tries to twist it back on Hank, which leads him to be like, you know, we should have been protecting all those kids from you, which is a low blow. But man, like, yeah, what did you expect, Charles? He's begging you to say you did something. Just admit you were wrong. And he's right. like, you know, no, this is a little bit your fault. And it's like, oh, Charles, don't say that. You cannot get out of this. I think that's a great way to put it. And honestly, I feel like Hank is my favorite character in this in some ways because of how in the middle he is. Because when he therefore decides to go with uh, Magneto to want to take down um, uh, Jean Grey to some extent, like, you know, I have real trouble blaming him. And and so let's talk about that moment that happens to it. Paul, I know you said this really upset you. What what was it you so much didn't like about the death of Mystique? It was stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it basically... It 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 was it was like a callback to X three, where mm-hmm. they had Gene just like um, you know dust Scott because he wanted out of his contract, mm-hmm. and <laughs> with all of the you know the rumblings about Jennifer Lawrence wanting out of her Mystique contract, like or contract with Fox or whatever, um, you know the fact that then she's like barely in the movie really felt like oh you know you just. Um, you're, I, honestly, my one of my biggest pet my biggest pet peeves is is stupid character deaths. That that is, mm-hmm. um, but the the pinnacle of that is is like if you kill say a dog, um, but or a cat. But um, mm. you know these instances where it feels like they were writing to something because they wanted something to happen, and it doesn't right. feel like something that in the moment um, like made all the sense in the world and. I mean, you know, so so that's just in terms of it felt contrived and it felt like it had to do with external factors outside of the movie, which is always mm-hmm. extra annoying. But yeah. also she was the only thing I found interesting, like or the mm-hmm. thing that she was the character I found most interesting in uh, these four movies. I felt like they were to some extent her story as much as they were anyone else's story. You know, she was kind of the she was the character who was between you know, sort of torn between Xavier's point of view and Magneto's point of view. Where, Very much you know, so, yeah. And she was like, mm-hmm. you know, I really loved actually in Days of Future Path where she chooses, right? She chooses what to do. And I think that was so important. And then here to basically just kind of like write her out as mm-hmm. as like a it, feeling like a plot device, right? right. Um, especially when she had then been the thing in the movie that I felt was... Like, really, she was the character who was really posing the questions. Um, I was just like, where are you going with... Like, first I was just annoyed. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what now? And I feel like it would have been probably a more powerful movie, you know, with with her in it. Than, you know, where it's like everybody's motivated by their grief and whatever. Yeah, I can see that. I I feel like someone had to die. I feel like it was important You always feel like someone has to die. Well, I mean, that's also true. (laughs) Um... But, but more than that, You're, I feel like... I understand in this case, though. Right. And then I, I feel like part of the point is that Jean Grey has to cross a major line. Mm-hmm. Well, I also and, feel like it was something else that was made to be Charles's fault. He he stopped... Beast says, I have the shot. I can take her down. Right. And he pauses him and he's like, no, I want Mystique to try. And right, so it was right. like another thing. Like he he's right. just... Yeah. 
stopping things and not allowing people to to do, you know, what they think they should be doing. You know, just it's such a cop out. And then she's, of course, the catalyst to get Eric to turn after he completely betrays the script, after telling Gene, like, I don't kill people anymore. Revenge is not the way I live. I don't do this anymore. And then literally the next scene, he's like, so we're killing her? Yeah. I actually find Magneto the most frustrating character in this. um, (laughs) Oh, he's my favorite. Quadrigy. Um, no, I find him the most frustrating because I find him one of the other most interesting characters, but Mm -hmm. half the time it feels like he's in a different movie from everybody else. And half the time it feels like, um, like his motivations are like, he's this very interesting, complex character who then the plot just gets to be like, and now you be evil. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I find that very frustrating because I'm like, just give me like, uh, just give me a Magneto movie like this. I, they scrapped it. They were supposed to do so one. And that's why it's like the script just keeps betraying that character. Yeah, because Fassbender's such a good actor. So good like actor. He really puts so all he's of fantastic. it. Even even moving the helicopters. Like he's he's screaming. I believe him. I'm like, oh shit, that's Magneto moving those helicopters. Yeah, like yeah. He really puts everything into his performances. And I, he must read the script and just be like, god damn it. His heel turn in uh, Days of Future Past is probably the one thing in that movie I dislike most. Yeah. Because you're right. It just feels like, nope, he has a great character, but now he has to be evil. And then in Apocalypse, like, you give him a family just to fridge the family so he can go evil right. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you don't give him the son that the whole movie is shedding. Like, uh, right, 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 right. I have yeah, yeah, yeah. so many uh, feelings about yeah. that. Him yeah, that screaming in the cut. forest was literally what he was saying to all the writers. Like, is this what you want from me? <laughs> Which Please. Like, it... Yeah, there's there, there's so much else there, and the fact that honestly, like Peter Maximoff is his son, and also that means Peter Maximoff is Jewish. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of conversation about all those things there. I want him to be his son; it's important. Um, but yeah, but even putting that aside, I I felt like I could believe the. Hmm. Here's the thing: Do you think that he is going for revenge as much as it is about like she's a danger that has to be stopped? Because I took it more. I I I feel like it is. There's a good deal of it being revenge, but also, especially from Hank, but also from Magneto, there is at least some sense of, like, Charles has unleashed this danger. This is going to be a danger to all of us. Because also remember, like, part of what Magneto has done is he feels he's finally found safety for him and his people. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. because of what Gene has done, the military has come and, like, brought these helicopters to what is supposed to be his safe place. And, and so I guess I, did, I didn't feel like for him it was a total betrayal because it didn't feel like it was just mwahaha revenge. It was like my safety is being attacked. The, the thing that I've built my life towards is being threatened. This has to stop. I think he made the decision before he knew all of that. He, he said Hank right away told it, you know, he's like, uh, you know, she killed Mystique. And he's like, help me find her before knowing what Hank's intentions mm. were. He's like, I'm going to kill her. And then it wasn't until later when they were having their little bonfire talk that, you know, he's like, you know, this is going to risk everything that you built. So I don't know. But remember, it's when Gene is there before he knows whose blood it was that the the military comes after her on his land. Yeah. And I feel like he saved those those guys, too. So it didn't look like, you know, she was there as much. I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I think he just immediately they had him revert back to like, I'm a killer. That's fair. That's fair. But you might be right, too. Who knows? Damn writers. I, I'm probably head, I'm, I'm headcanoning what I want them to have done with it because you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. The, the writing is a little sloppier than it should have been for sure. Um, but I do love we were talking about this a little bit um, with what they did with his little island there, because that's totally right from the comics. It's supposed to be Genosha, 
which mm-hmm. is such an interesting thing because originally in the comics it was like where his base was with the Brotherhoods of Mutants, but it also became like this place where they sent uh, they would capture mutants and take them there and pretty much make them do slave labor. Oof. So yeah, eventually, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say there's there's like tons of genosha stories and stuff and it, it's not mm-hmm. always the same right but it's like sometimes yeah. it's very kind of magneto up to no good and sometimes it's more of like a safe haven for mutants and well, i'm right. pretty sure in civil war he eventually goes to the united nations and is like we want our own nation mm, where you yeah. guys can't bother us we won't bother you you could just you know right. you stay there right. we'll stay here and they give it to him yeah and then house of m happens and that's where they take wanda to try to like fix her which obviously doesn't work and then somewhere many storylines after that is where he goes to charles and they're like let's re you know let's recreate this utopia for our people and they they do go do it together so that's why the last two minutes of this movie were were really good to me so i think all the stuff with eric there and and the separation that raises some great questions about the other big the second big thing i want us to talk about which is this the general mutant question but just pulling it back to gene a bit then so what what could have been a better way for Charles or for others to handle this? You know, Jean starts to grow up. We start to realize that her powers are going to be off the chart and she might not have the ability to control them. What what are options then? I think it's really complicated. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's no real solution to a person with too much power where they that power is is um is innate. Right. Right. Um, I mean, in the real world, we have problems where we have people with too much power and they do horrible things often. And we have solutions to that because we can we can take away power because, you know, human world power is generally power that is invested in that person by other people. Right. Right. By disproportional (laughs) control over resources and um, and, you know, a large number of people acting in concert. You know, often directed by one person, by a dictator or by some sort of other authoritarian. But in, you know, in in X-Men or in in any kind of superhero media, really, you you get individuals who that power is is part of them, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's part of their identity. It's not like, I I think, you know, um, one thing that that sort of sets the X-Men apart from a lot of other superhero uh, type stories is that often we think of like Spider-Man is is a human who gets bit by a radioactive spout spider and then he has powers, right? right? And and yeah, that's part of him, but it's not like the DNA he was born with, right? Right. Whereas right. he's not a literal different species the way that right. that uh, Xavier right. literally oh, says they are in his papers. Yeah, like yeah, that. which is scientifically inaccurate, right? Because they can reproduce with humans, therefore, who and have children who can then have offspring. Ergo, it's so facto they're not actually a different species, isn't that? <laughs> I think that's how the no, biology I mean, works. I mean, like, I guess I'm not using the right the, the right phrase, but yeah, I mean, like, no, Homo I think sapiens he uses and that Ho- language. Homo sapiens and Homo ne- Neanderthal, or not Homo Neanderthal. Homo sapiens and Neanderthals did reproduce together, but were right. considered different. Whatever the terminology, like, oh, it is okay, a subset yeah, yeah. of species yeah, that yeah. the idea is that in the same way that, like, Homo sapiens and Neanderthals were biologically different, like, offshoots, that Homo mutanus, or whatever yeah. the hell they call it, is another different offshoot. Right. So, Homo, so, so humans and Neanderthals are both Homo sapiens. Right. Um, Neanderthals are Homo sapiens, Neanderthalus, whatever. And I think humans are, like, anyway. But the, the point being <laughs> that they... 
they make it I, th- I think they make it sound like it's actually a different species whereas it's a different whatever that next level of they call them right homo here. superior right <laughs> subspecies right. is the word yes yeah exactly but the point is that they, they are a biologically different category in a way that superman or captain america are not well, right. Superman is. Superman is. <laughs> Even Spider more. Man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yes. Captain America. Please talk about the point. Wrong the, universe. The point right. being that, like, thus, you know, okay, in X3, they come up with a way of rewriting someone's DNA or or, or maybe it, it suppresses powers some other way. I, I forget how. But, um, you know, like, being like, oh, we'll just rewrite their genetic code to take their powers away, you know, <laughs> Um, there, there isn't really like this, the, the same kind of solutions that we have in the real world. Right. Right. And, you know, you raise a good point about accountability where, you know, who is Charles accountable to, who, who is Jean accountable to like, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, to, to me, it's like these people have these, these huge powers and it's, I guess, you know, it. I don't think there's a good solution, basically, yeah. right? Where I, if if somebody does something horrible, like you've got to try and find a way of stopping them from doing more horrible things, but it's it's not obvious. You can start to reverse it there to see if the the horrible things would even happened if he didn't, you know, do what he did. Sure, there's also no trust. That's the issue where you go back to the talking about control because they decided that she was not going to be able to control her powers right. without just letting her grow up and see what would happen. Like right. what it, she obviously could control the Phoenix force by the end of it. So they really underestimated her. And that's what's happening is these men are underestimating, you know, mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. and not allowing her not, a, they're too scared to see if she can actually just control it. And they think they know what's best. So they're going to, you know, put, blocks in her memory yeah where this none of this might have happened if they didn't do that so it's so like it's such a yeah i think that's a great point because you're right it's the the assumption of all of that is because she can't control her powers and they're never giving her the chance to show that she could right but of course that's the whole it's the whole thing of it's kind of like you know how when the consequences of being wrong are so high you know And, and and to me i feel like it it it's a concern that I have a lot of times with these things of tell you how best to explain this. Like, you know, in a way, obviously Wanda is a character who's been a lot of our minds a lot because of WandaVision. And I want to spoil anything from that TV show, but you know, it all goes back to, you know, her actions in the movie civil war. And I've always sort of been a little frustrated that there's never actually been any legal ramifications or accountability for the actions she took that got innocent people killed. And it may well be that like, she did the right thing, but we never actually explored that. And and I feel in some ways this reminded me a lot of that of – especially because by the end of the movie, I mean they literally renamed the school the Jean Grey School. And part of that's a, like a slap at Xavier and how much he screwed up and that he's mm-hmm. kind of off on his own and, and that there's a lot of good stuff there. But it felt like it was so erasing the actual harm that Jean had done. And I guess – Yeah, why wasn't it called the Mystique School? Right. right. <laughs> you know, and and I guess, I mean, this is just always a very much an action movie trope of you can, like, screw up early, get people killed, but if you save people at the end, then everything is forgiven and forgotten. Mm. Um, and you're right. Like, Ashley, it, it is this very, like, I can't just say, like, oh, Gene's a murderer. Like, 
I mean, A, there's the, the Dark Phoenix Force. Yeah, we're taking that, we're forgetting the Dark Phoenix Force part of it all. Yeah, those right. aren't even her powers, right? She's yeah, it's not even possessed. her technically like, doing it. Yeah, and that's why, like, she kind of sacrifices herself at the end, which is to save everybody instead of kill everybody because she can't actually, you know, do whatever she was trying to do with disintegrating chick or whatever that evil person said and that's why i guess they would do that because it technically wasn't her and then it is something else that was charles's fault because if they would have just gotten out of there she wouldn't have gotten taken over and yada 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 go back to the beginning you know what right. i mean right and and i mean there's also the questions of moral culpability there you know I mean like you know i can um if one person you know like I don't think Charles is ever going to be completely responsible for Jean's actions. She is still somewhat there, too. But, yeah, I think because we don't understand the Phoenix Force at all, I don't know to what extent it is or isn't mm-hmm. her fault, like, that Mystique mm-hmm. dies. Because you're right, the yeah. whole... Well, she also, warned her a hundred times, I can't control it, please back off. And, she, right. you know, she kept telling Eric, she kept telling Mystique, I don't know how many more times she could tell her, mm-hmm. back off, I can't. She was trying to warn her. And you could see the pain on her face after yeah. she saw what happened. Oh, yeah, sucks. and I mean, I, I would say that I think, like, I, the the kind of influence Charles had or, or what sort of um, mental intrusions he made, I, I certainly don't think that removes Jean's culpability for anything she does. I, I think the Dark Phoenix Force uh, complicates that. But, right. um, I you know, there's, there's, there's often enough, you know, blame to go around, right? It's like it doesn't <laughs> have to oh, be yeah. divided up like a pie. It's like, well, you could be 100% responsible mm-hmm. and you could be 100% and, responsible. You, like it doesn't right. have to be 50-50 or 80-20 or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think like it's frustrating because it's like Charles, in terms of his powers, has mm-hmm. the optimal powers for actually helping Gene. Mm-hmm. Right in right. the in the beginning, right, like when she's a kid, and the fact that he he like takes sort of the easy way out, and it's like oh, I'll just erase this, I'll block this, and like mm-hmm. everything will be you know easier. Like that, I don't know, I I, I don't like it. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it, it to to some extent, I mean, I guess in some versions that's Xavier, and in some versions it's not. I think. I think some people kind of would rather see a story where it's one and would rather see a story where it's the other. Like, I th- I think, Matthew, this story is somewhat um, more satisfying to you because it's a little vindicating in the, like, well, when people have too much power, they often do things like mm-hmm. this, right? When they think they're right. Um, and to me, it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, some people will and some people won't. And... Um, Charles has been written in different ways where he can he can kind of be either. Um, right. You know, personally, I think mind control, like or like where you can actually control someone's actions for at least for a limited period of time, um, it would be like a great power to have. <laughs> like it, yeah. in in a fight, like two people are trying to fight each other, and you're like, stop, and then they stop, and it's right. like, okay, now we're gonna sit down and talk because I'm forcing you to. I'm going to allow you to, you know, you're going to say what you have to say and, but we're, we're going to, you know, resolve this peacefully because I'm, I'm going to stop. Usually physical violence is the option we have in terms of actually stopping physical violence, right? It's mm-hmm. like, that's like, that's why war is a thing because when right. you have one belligerent side, the other side can either get run over or they can oppose it with violence. 
yes, there's there's various things we can do to try and stop the violence. But, you know, if someone's punching you in the face, like you're you're getting punched in the face, you're blocking, you're moving, or you're hitting them first. Whereas if you have some kind of mind control, it's like, I have no problem being like, yeah, no, you, you have to stop punching me in the face. And then they do. Um, but when making these kind of long-term, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, kind of erase a part of, of who you are, like, you know... I mean, and I, I think she did cause the accident. I thought mm-hmm. pretty was pretty clear, right, um, with her parents. Yeah, that was weird. The, the way that they decided to, to start it and that being her backstory, which is not it from the comics. I mean, right. the one in the comics has to do with a car. But right. that was a really strange turn because in the, in the comics, it makes a little bit more sense why he did what he did because she was a young girl. She sees her best friend hit by a car in front of her. And mm. when she runs over, she's holding her friend's as she's dying and that's when her powers emerge and she she taps into her friend's emotions and she feels what it feels like to die mm. Oof. yeah that's that's some trauma right there. so <laughs> she starts losing her powers are completely uncontrollable mm-hmm. and her parents both of them take her to xavier and that's kind of the pain and and that feeling is what he starts out blocking off and right, that's right. kind of where it starts like he sees i did that for her so then everything that started happening to her that was kind of threatening that to maybe be exposed or you know be more tra- traumatic for her he just kept making these compartments inside of her mind and it got out of control yeah and i mean to me that sort of speaks to the like I mean, at some point, he should, like, if he decides to take that direction, at some point, he should be like, okay, we're going to need to deal with this. Yes, right? we're I agree. We're going to need to deal with these right. emotions, and maybe mm-hmm. gradually we can do it. Like, you know, me- <laughs> telepathic therapy, therapy sessions. basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, like, actual just therapy. Therapy? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that occurs to me throughout all of this is, is the difference between being sort of, like, the decider versus the executor of the decision, you know? and mm-hmm. And part of what comes to me in the story you just told me, Ashley, is that the parents go to Xavier and say, this is what we as her parents feel this child needs. Mm-hmm. And you can get into a lot of questions about, like, should the child actually be a part of that conversation, not just mm-hmm. the parents? I mm-hmm. think that's a legitimate point. But at least now it's not – someone is saying to Charles, here is the goal. We're going to ask you to help us to get to this goal that we have set. For mm-hmm. me, that's fundamentally different than Charles coming along and saying, okay, no one else is watching out for this girl anymore. I'm now going to decide what's best for her and how to get there. Right. And, and I, I like, like that. I don't. Go, oh, I go ahead. Do. You agree first and then I'll disagree. Well, and I was going to say, well, let me just finish and then and we uh, sure. or disagree and agree in any order. I feel like that's where um, the. Like, to me, the ideal would be, because you're right, I, I do like stories where, where the people with power are corrupt. It doesn't always have to be, though. I mm-hmm. would love a situation where Charles starts to realize what's happening. Maybe Mystique or someone else, po- you know, pokes at him. And then he starts to he, he starts to let Gene know, you know, a 10 or 11 or 12-year-old Gene saying, listen, you do have these powers. I, I want you to know I'm holding some of that back from you. I'm willing to start helping you, you know, how should we do this together? You know, and then mm-hmm. making right. Gene a part of the decision of... Yeah. You know, it, because now it's not him deciding for her. It's her saying, this is the goal I want. Charles, can you help? Right. So, oh, I have to agree for <laughs> Yeah, no, go ahead. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I, and I, mine's not going to be very deep. I just think that they were trying, when they rewrote this film, they were trying to cherry pick certain things from the comics and try to make it work in the script. And it, I think it does kind of hurt the character of Charles. 
Yeah, but, I, I mean, or or makes him kind of less good, right? Like, yeah. Which, which if that's how you want him to be, that's cool, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, maybe that's more interesting. Uh, I I think the second way you put it, Matthew, was closer to something that I I think I think that's a real difference when you have. Um, when when you're like asking the kid hey look you know you had these powers they were out of control you know you weren't able to control them so i've dampened them basically for you um would you like to develop access to more of your powers um or not you know that's a choice and you know we're gonna work together on figuring out the best way to go about doing that because you need to be able to control them you know you can't just be going around with these totally uncontrolled um you know it's a little bit like uh dexter and his dad but Mm. (laughs) yeah i mean i think actually is a great example of because in some ways the point of all this to me is you can have whatever powers you want you cannot exist as a danger to other people you know and i think Mm. Obviously, I think all of us probably have very strong feelings about all the many problems in our criminal justice system, and that's not what this is about. But I think the basic idea of in order to live in society, we need to be able to trust that you are not going to pose an active danger to others and that if you are, then that's when society has to get involved to some extent. Like Mm -hmm. this kind of goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning, Paul. The whole point with powers is that it raises those questions, you know, is the like if you have these powers, do you now pose more of a danger if you have less control over them? Right. Um, and and I would say I definitely would push back hard on the you can't be allowed to exist if you pose like as posing a danger to others. I think you can't do things harmful to others. And oh, yeah, I don't I wouldn't have put it. I, yeah. I didn't mean to put it in the, the, the strong terms by any means. No. It sounded a little minority report, you know. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> no, no. It's but, more that but like, I get what you mean. That, that, that there's an understanding of it. You're going to not choose to use your powers to harm others. And that if you are like. Right. It's the Hulk of the situation. Right. I, I mean, because to me, part of um, – there was a great article I read a long time ago by a Scandinavian um, criminologist. And they, they basically were using the, the example of like a scorpion in terms of talking about like a scorpion isn't evil and you don't like – you don't like hate the scorpion because it's deadly. But you also understand that a scorpion may do harm and so you – you know, you, I lose you – Oh, you you don't put it next to people it's going to sting, basically. Right, yeah, and that the idea being that, like, you know, that that it was not trying to compare humans to, like, you know, um, to insects or anything like that. But, that you know, so that if a person is, like, if you know that a person is a, like, danger to cause harm to others, then you can try and, like, stop that and, and put them in a situation where they're not able to harm others without necessarily being about, like, we hate you, we want to punish you. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. with a mutant... I think it raises this whole other set of questions of like, you know, look at someone like Scott Summers. Like, first of all, God help me, I want there to sometime be somewhere make an X Men movie where Scott Summers has a personality besides being the jerk boyfriend who Wolverine gets to win a girl from. Like, I <laughs> felt so bad for his like Scott yeah. loses so much in this little franchise. Like he loses his brother, he loses Gene, and they just breeze over it yeah. like it's nothing. Yeah. yeah, he never gets any kind of a personality whatsoever. Yeah. But like for yeah, someone like him, movies, for someone like him, if he opens his eyes, he's going to do incredible harm to people. Is it therefore like legal to say that he cannot go out in public without wearing something to stop him from lasering people? No, yeah. you just aren't allowed to laser people. Like that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
Like, there's already a law for that. There's all these things that people are always like, oh, but what about this? Like, we need these new counterterrorism laws or this or that. It's like, there's already, you know, oh, but if somebody goes into this bathroom, maybe they'll do this. It's like, it's already illegal to do those things. Like, you know. Right. Well, it, but I mean, like, I mean, but the reality is, like, if he's not allowed to labor people, that means he has to take precautions. Against. So it basically becomes Right, and then if the he doesn't, thing. then, then you know, you have a, a what we know as a, a crime. Right. right. <laughs> possibly a homicide. Possibly just a maiming, you know. Couple maiming, yeah. Um, I was gonna say probably maybe. a lot of property destruction. <laughs> we don't know, because, again, his powers vary greatly based on what the plot needs in the moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, like... You know, we teach kids not to hit each other, right? Like, people, like, if you have, you know, a 10-year-old, yeah, you have to stop them from taking your car keys and going getting in your car and driving and getting into a crash or whatever. And so, you know, when when we go back to, like, you know, Gene as a kid, it's like, I think it's reasonable to kind of be like, okay, let's... Let's kind of dial back these powers in the short term and then have a conversation. And then ultimately, you know, you'll be who you're going to be. And if you do bad things, then we'll hold you accountable for doing bad things. Right. You know, um, was there ever any kind of like, uh, I don't remember, like, was there ever any police like, oh, she killed someone? Like. Oh, yeah. They bring in those. Do, right? um, it's funny because they're called the MCU. Cops, if you look, all their badges yeah, the say mutant, MCU. Yeah, the mutant control unit. Control, control unit. unit. Right, right, right. And so they bring the the neck things that are, like were my oh, favorite in the things. comics yeah, that yeah, make yeah. you lose your powers. I can't yeah. remember what they were called. Um, mm-hmm. the and that's the whole, like that. the inhibitors. Yeah, and that goes all the way to like the train scene, all that stuff that you kind of like right. block out. I love yeah, the train yeah, yeah. scene just because I think it gets to showcase everybody's powers beautifully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like who's the guy with like the whip, with like the hair braid whips? Honestly, I'm like, did you guys just like close your eyes, go through the the Marvel encyclopedia and pick a page? <laughs> They're like, this guy, throw him in there. I have no idea. I am so sorry to everybody who it's does. It's okay. There were some random ones who I wish their powers were more explained, but they were definitely yeah. different characters. Well, so let's get to the other main question I think that the show raises, this movie raises, and we've already been kind of dancing around it, but really just to hit, um, hit it more squarely, because it's the question obviously that is – at so much of the heart of all the X-Men stories, which is Xavier and Magneto having these different approaches to how do you how do you be this minority that is, you know, hated and feared within a larger society? And actually, you talked about uh, the Genosa, the kind of Magneto as a separate thing. And I really liked that because that ha- I felt like in some ways it makes this more about like an assimilation or separation kind of argument where now... Mm-hmm. It's no longer as much even about, like, are we going to take over or not? But it's about Xavier saying, if we help them enough, if we do, if we push ourselves enough, they'll love us. And Magneto is not even just saying, like, I want to fight them. He's just saying, what if we just go off and do our own thing? You know, kind of mm-hmm. to what you're saying, um, Paul, or what I was bringing up you responding to. If the whole question is, how do we legally function around them? What if we just don't function around them? What if we just create our totally own society? And I... I think that was my favorite part of the movie, honestly, was the way it highlighted those different ideas and the problems with them, especially in what Charles is trying to do. Mm-hmm. I, the dialogue between Charles and Eric throughout all the movies are probably my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when he comes to kill Gene and Charles shows up and Charles is making his great speech and he's just like, Charles, nobody cares anymore. You have messed this up beyond belief 
throughout the years, like he had his own little thing going. He's making it safe for people. He's finding mutants in a way that Charles isn't to bring them to safety to create their own, you know, thing. And, and Charles is just like, but I still want to talk to the president. It's right. like, no, you don't get that. You don't get it. Magneto's actually the one doing the right thing, uh, except for trying to kill Jean. <laughs> except for all the bad things he does. He's doing the right thing. <laughs> Do you all know what I mean when I talk about respectability politics? Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me a quick sum? It, it, it's the idea that... Um, it's the idea that I think you see a lot in terms of uh, discussions about, like, you know, how you deal with <clears throat> issues of being a minority. And it's in terms um, of... Or any that. oppressed group, right? I yeah. mean, it could be an oppressed majority. Exactly. Okay. So respectability politics is... It, it's, a, it's a term that's critical of the idea of that if we just try and, like, act normal, then people will like us a lot. And so, like, respect... Like, some of the, the ways the term is used is, like, when... Um, you know, there, there was movement within, like, the, the gay community of, like, let's let's just show them that we're normal people and not have, like, the half-naked people at queer pride parades. Or when, like, mm-hmm. um, black leaders are very critical of rap music and saying, like, we need to, we need to not scare white right, America. Right. We need not scare Ugh. straight America. Okay. And I and, – and the critique of that is it's called respectability politics. And it's um, – you know, there's, there's some back and forth there, but I think it's a very legit critique. Without any – without ever raising the issue, I thought they did such a good job of that here. You know, and that there's um, Xavier, especially like his his whole idea is this whole like we don't want them to fear us. You know, we we want them to see that we are normal. We want them to see that they can not be afraid. And so much was about stifling the humanity. And I I I wish I'd had more of it. But I love Mystique wanting to go out on her own because she comes to realize like he's shutting down everything that makes her who she is. Right. Mm hmm. I like some of her lines a lot. Like you should, you know, we know what the X in X-Men means. And technically it should be X-Women because we're the ones saving all the men all the time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, her, it's interesting, like Charles, and it's how they end it with him kind of being like, you suck at your job so much that you have to literally retire right now and go away. It's, I don't know, it's such a, a left turn for what good the character does do because underneath it all, I mean, Charles Xavier is, a, you know, a good person, I would think, you know, with the ethics, you know, talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to see them just, I feel, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Somebody take over. I think it's, um, to some sense, it's like an intractable, intractable problem where, mm-hmm. you know, there's bigotry right? and, you know, there's, Say you've got two groups of people, right? Mutants and non-mutant humans. And I mean, the mutants are humans, but they're not, you know, it's it's a little complicated from a, whatever, biological standpoint. But, right. you know, some mutants, like, their powers are, like, not, there's so much different, like, a mutant with some little tiny power compared to, like, Jean Grey or Xavier or Magneto. Mm-hmm. Right, Like, you know, I mean, Mystique's a good example because it's like, okay, her power actually could be used to, you know, nefariously to great effect. But also she could just, like, live normally, you know. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. she has the the perfect, like, blend-in power, right? Like, just quite literally. Like, she could be whoever she wants to be. Um, But, like, you know, I, I don't... 
I've never liked the idea of, like, separation. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of Genosha being a place, right. you know, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you can you can go there, right? Um, but at, at the same time, it's like, I, I do think you, you need to find a way to coexist because, like, well there's one planet i mean there's a lot of planets and at (laughs) at times they actually travel and and they they kind of sort of touched on that here but not really very deeply yeah but right um we're kind of sidestepping that one but like yeah ultimately you can't just have like on earth in our in our current reality like you can't just be like oh these people are gonna live here and these people are gonna live there and the people in this place get to just decide they want to live however they want to live and this other place can live however they want to live like f- i don't know that's pretty north korea i know and it's terrible <laughs> like <laughs> it's not working out very well for them you know randall park notwithstanding um so <laughs> the interview but um it you know it like i mean north korea might actually be one of the one of the least in terms of how it affects other nations well it is probably indisputably the least right in terms of yeah, I think how so. much direct but it's like you know let's say you just had a state of texas let's say texas left the us and mm-hmm. um you know there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with texas right now right in terms of the freezing and and right. that's horrible and yeah. um and you know we can we can talk about like how many people in Texas don't support the government of Texas and then how many do. And, and, you know, in North Korea is like a 20 million person hostage situation, but that that's not my point at all. My point is, is if, if Texas was just its own country and it could just do whatever it wanted and it's just like, well, we're just going to go big with oil. It's like, well, that actually affects everyone else on the planet, right? Right. In the long run. And, so, you know, you could have mutants on, on Genosha, but they're not really separate from everybody else because some mutants have powers that are so strong, they can change reality across the globe, right? right. Um, yeah. Across the multiverse. And so, you know, I mean, th- there are people with God-level powers in, in these stories. And so y- you're never going to be able to sidestep the, you know, you, you need to find a way to coexist Mm-hmm. Or one group is going to basically try to eliminate the other ultimately. And there's always yeah. going to be friction. I think there's always going to be some level of bigotry. But, you know, I on some level, I, I think I think both are wrong, Magneto and um, Xavier. In, in that, I, I you know, I I mean, the, the whole respectability politics of it all. Oh, if we just do so much good, it's like, yeah, good luck, Charles. You know, right. that's, yeah. that's not going to, um, you know, if you want to recruit people, to completely voluntarily be, you know, be X-Men or whatever and go around and do good things. Cool. Good on you. You know, go do good things. Right. Go <laughs> fight against, you know, the Brotherhood doing bad things. But like, yeah, you know, it occurred to me, what happened if you're born a mutant and you just want to, you know, like write computer games for a living, you know, yeah. or like, you know, be a yeah. garbage. Like the, the idea of like, OK, you're born mutant. So now you have to be part of this big fight has always been a... um and again, that's a conceit of the comic books, and it's just that maybe those people exist, and we just don't hear about them very much. But I, yeah, I think but, so. But it, I think certainly, I think a big part of that respectability politics idea is, and especially from Charles, is by being a mutant, you have a responsibility right. to be that kind of like the model, to be the 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 shine, the the example of what a good mutant can be. When it's like, and, yeah, and this is a very real concern. You know, it's like you know, if I'm if I go out and do like. 10 shitty things as a white person 
no one's going to look at me and go, oh, look, that's proof that white people are terrible. You know? <laughs> well, today maybe and with some good If reason, you do it with a neck beard and whatever, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like um, the more that you are part of a group that is like they're, they're – the viewpoint of them is, is considered up for debate for whatever stupid reason mm-hmm. or another, then the more like you're expected to do, you know, to prove that. Um, because you're right. I think, I think in this, neither Xavier nor Magneto is completely right. And that there is some, you know, a, a, a hard middle ground to be found of how do you, how do you find that balance? And uh, it brings me back to why I'm so sad Mystique got killed. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. And, and I mean, to me, it's just, it's like, um, yeah, you, you can't, put that responsibility on someone but at the same time i do think there's um some value in acknowledging that Mm -hmm. to some extent it exists not the responsibility but just the fact you know there's a lot of things where it's like if you take these actions this is a likely outcome right right Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that you're wrong for taking these actions right that doesn't mean that we should blame you in some larger way but it's like some understanding of just what happens when a leads to b and some of these things aren't really true right Right. i mean there's some things where it's like yeah you know you know i i don't think rap music is the reason that you know um that we have that a lot of the you know racism that exists. No, of course, exists. no more than blues music was mm-hmm. 50 years ago when it was claimed to be, you know, whatever it is. Right, have... exactly, exactly. You know, but like when when some particular um, event happens to a particular person, you know, there often are going to be um, like, there often are repercussions in terms of how one person's view is influenced by uh, particular actions taken by a person or by by their own experience, basically. Right. And I, think, I, mean, I mean, you see this a lot in terms of, and I think the, the answer to that often is combating that whole idea. You know, like every time that, um, you know, a black person who was shot by cops, like people try to bring up, oh, but this person, like, look at this like minor criminal thing he did. Right, right. The, the argument is always like, he doesn't have to be like, you know, the good kid from Harvard who got killed. Like, it's still it's not yeah, yeah, it makes it's... it okay what the police did and 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 challenging that um you know now pulling it pulling it back to where we are with the x-men i think um i i think I, because i think you're right i think that's more than anything that's that's the trap that charles falls into and i think because paul i think what you're saying is that like for a person to make those own choices for themselves is fine it's that charles is trying to impose that on everybody else that right. he's trying to say like you have to push yourself harder for all the rest of us instead of letting it. And, and then he never convinces anyone. Um, no. And this, I think kind of getting back to where we're talking about with Charles and mind control, I think this could be probably its whole other topic, but I feel like one of the things, the, the dangers with Charles is once you can, once you can actually control someone's mind, you never actually have mm-hmm. to try and change their mind. Right. You mm-hmm. never have to try and actually be like, let me convince you to do this other thing. Cause you can just make them do the other thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think, Oh, I think it's interesting with Magneto's character because of the, with the separation and stuff, um, what happens to him in Age of Apocalypse mm-hmm. and how he does choose to try to do Charles's way. And then when somebody at his work almost dies, he saves them in a very X-Men Charles-y type of way. And that in turn makes him lose his entire family. So he, you know, he's just completely checked out of, you know, Charles, I'm not doing it that way. You know, I'm going to just make my own place. And this and that, because he just doesn't see, he tried, you know, he, 
couple times he tried to to coexist and i think the whole point of these stories is is just trying to show us like be nice to each other because <laughs> it's like it's such a shame like yeah you would want everything goes so well until it doesn't and it only takes one tiny thing to mess it up just like the entire relationship that uh, charles had built with the army and the president was taken away by gene flipping over what three cop cars yeah it's a little extreme well and i think i think part of you're right is that but it's also a nice reminder of the fragility of this kind of thing you know exactly that it can that unfortunately, like the way that hate works, especially in a culture like ours, it can go that quickly. And then I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that, um, that that it's unfortunately a very good reminder of in that regard. Um, so I do want us to talk. <laughs> we, we, we've basically taken this entire episode about Dark Phoenix and not talked about the Dark Phoenix much because from an ethics standpoint, I'm not sure there is too much there. But I know especially that um, you both really liked the original story and had a lot of concerns about that. So let's just take a few moments there. How, how does... This version of the Dark Phoenix differ from what we get in older versions of the story, especially in the comics or in the comics or in the animated shows. I mean, this one and then the last stand, they just kind of made. I always said if you if you know who the character Onslaught is, I, it was a mix of Charles and Magneto. And that's what they kind of make her powers look like. It just doesn't make any sense to what a cosmic being's power would be. Um, I know in the animated show is a lot of fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just a ton of fire. And the difference is the relationships that she has with the characters. Like, you could change the whole story, but you need a Wolverine there to bring her out of it if you're going to save the characters. So I felt like going into that with her only having a Scott and Wolverine's not there and there's a whole different cast of characters, um, I kind of knew that they were going to make, you know, I don't, she didn't die, but they were going to kind of get rid of her. By the end of it, because there was nobody there to kind of bring her back, and that's kind of sad. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was happy that in this one they at least made it like the sort of cosmic power that it wasn't in mm-hmm. X three. Um, so that that felt a little more in keeping with you know with canon, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which you know you don't have to, but it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in um in x-men 3 but here you know they did it in such a sort of confusing way where i felt like they didn't really give us a satisfying explanation of the power of the force of um the oh hold on i i um i actually looked it up the what are they called the dabari um, the dabari yeah i mean which i i, I don't remember seeing anywhere else but maybe is that maybe the they're... jessica chastain of it all yeah the, the dabari jessica, their people are called the dabari yeah. yeah they even gave us that three minute scene where she's trying to explain it and i'm like so she's ego like what's happening i don't know what we're talking about <laughs> oh they they are actually okay so so they are the the I think they're a bigger part and and less like we are the villains kind of in in um the original you know Dark Phoenix saga. But right. the, uh, what are the what the Shi'ar Empire was the big part of the original Phoenix saga. Right. And again, I don't want to get too lost on the the names and details. I just want to right. get to the, the heart of the story part. They yeah. just mess all that up because it makes it so much like. That yeah, has they, a lot more to do with Charles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were within the sphere of influence of the Shi'ar Empire. Right. Um, right. But but yeah, so like, I, I feel like the fact that the movie kind of was like, oh yeah, we'll just have this, but not really. 
I don't know, maybe like it was trying to do too many things at once because it had all the stuff with, you know, with Mystique and Charles and, and Magneto and Hank and, and that's all very interesting, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. but kind of feels like it has so little to do with the Dark Phoenix storyline. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like, you could have this entire movie without the Dark Phoenix at all, and it's a good movie, which right. says, it yeah, could just feel like, yeah, Jean's really pow- powerful, and she doesn't know how to control her powers anymore, because they, like, whatever Charles wrote over her, you know, um, right. system hardware or something, she unwrote. Like, yeah, you could do it without that. And the, you know, the... The original Dark Phoenix story, like, I think the, the relationship between her and Scott is is really important in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you were saying, like, you feel like you can't do it without Wolverine. I'm like, I feel like you can't do it without Scott being, like, a character. Yeah. As opposed to, like, a cardboard, you know, just, like, it, it that, and I'm, like, so rarely, like, looking for more romances in my stories Mm -hmm. right that's just like not what i'm generally that interested in right but like if you have a story where that's an important part it's like like would anybody just um you know watch a a movie about the montagues and the capulets and be like oh yeah this is just like a a history of these two families fighting each other like is that a thing i don't know maybe it is but like you know like you don't take like romeo and juliet out of romeo and juliet like Right. right Right, so it's like when this the story that was a really important part of the story from you know the one the versions I'd seen in, in the animation. Right. Um, I didn't I didn't really read the the comics of it, but um, you know to not have it there, it it makes the story feel like like it's missing something that's such like a critical part of it. It right. it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, because I yeah. that that is kind of the, the story I had expected. I think I may have seen some version of it in comics or, or animation. But certainly, Maybe I mean, they even shot that story, and then I, we're like, "Oh, let's change it." I mean, that's yeah. a story that we've seen before, like in many times. I um, honestly, the one that comes to me um, clearest is Willow at the end of season six of Buffy. But but I think it's a story in other times as well, where there is someone who is now like they have incredible power, they're about to do something horribly destructive to everything, and someone who has a strong emotional relationship with them is able to connect with, like, the person inside, outside of that other influence, and, like, talk them down from doing the destructive thing. Yeah. Um, They proxied that, like, they tried to with Charles at the end when, you know, mm -hmm. she forgives him, he apologizes, she actually forgives him. Um, And then the last look that she gives is to Charles. And I'm like, okay, so this whole Scott thing is just not very important at this point because he he tries to talk her off the ledge and she's like, yeah, I know I like you, but I don't care. But even then, I didn't quite understand, like... So is she still fully the Dark Phoenix fighting Jessica Chastain at the end? Because I, I thought what happened was that Jessica Chastain had, like, take... I'm going to keep calling her that because I have no idea what the character's name is. I don't think anyone ever cared. Don't um, care. Like, <laughs> had, like, taken enough of the Phoenix out of her that now there's only, like, some of the Phoenix in Jean Grey. And so she can have control again and thus she can, you know, destroy herself and the Phoenix and the Debray. Dubai, whatever the heck it is. Debray. Debray. Debari. 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 Debray, Debar, Debari, Debari, Debari. Yeah, yeah, okay. Shabani? Conjugate. Declension. That's declension. But yeah, anyway, so. I think you're right. I think we saw her go from Dark Phoenix to just Phoenix. Right. And so, yeah, so the movie ends with a character named Phoenix dying. Am I just right? I'm understanding that part of it? I guess. I think she. I don't know whether it was dying since nobody ever actually dies in these. I think she went off to be the best the best version of her Phoenix self that she could be going around 
pollinating planets, it looked like. I don't know. Because Mary and I looked at each other and we got to the end of the movie and, and Mary literally said, like, wait, it's about a character named Phoenix. How is she dead? I don't understand. Right, right, right. Don't How- worry, girl. They're going to name a school after you. <laughs> okay, so you don't die that way. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think I think when, when you're the Phoenix, you, you don't actually die. You disappear. And that, and, and that's, that's, I think, happened in, in numerous storylines, right? Like, right. I mean, yeah, she, so she had to take the whatever was happening in the in the animated one like she had to sacrifice herself the same way at least the next two they did it a little bit better even though that made no sense but she like physically sacrificed herself before she became the phoenix and that's what made her the phoenix which makes no sense right. um so that historically that character always kind of goes out like that okay but then often comes back Exactly, right. hence being called a, a survey says. Ooh, a phoenix, a phoenix. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. It's really nice to get some of that because I didn't get any of that from the end of the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> What I did get is on, on my very uh, brief notes for this, I have written, reminds me of Willow on Buffy. Oh, good. I'm glad that we got the same, <laughs> so, same direction So, was it just you? Okay. That's awesome. And then well, right after that, I have, if there was a god, would you kill it? Anyway. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, I think that's probably a decent place of wrapping up. I, I guess I would just say as a last thing, like, honestly, it makes me happy that if we are getting X-Men back... Well, this is a whole other topic entirely. Oh, yeah. No, let's... let's oh. I, I was going to say, like, I'm glad that we have... We're going to get more TV shows instead of movies because you just you can't do it all in one movie. But I'll, I'll edit that yeah. out. Mm-hmm. At least they finished with a really good character arc for Magneto. I feel like he's the only one who got a really decent storyline by the end. Yeah. If you start with first class, like Eric's character is the only one who has the most growth by the end of the film. Like he starts out just being like full of rage and pain and has no care for anyone who gets in his way, even people who care about him. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was the one being there for Charles at his time of need when he didn't even like – he didn't even know he needed him. You yeah. know, he's like, I'm just, I need to be by myself. Um, it just shows like a beautiful evolution of this version of Magneto for these movies, who is always throughout them this anti hero. He was the anti hero yeah. of the franchise. Yeah. I, and I, 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 they put a pin in it beautifully, I thought, for him. I, I, I felt like way for both him and Charles. I feel like the. Yeah. In that regard, I am very satisfied by these movies. And that if the central story is the, the friendship, the brotherhood between xavier and magneto that i thought this was a really nice way to end it um i did text paul towards the end because you know the final scene of dark knight rises of uh you know catwoman selena kyle in a cafe getting to meet up with with bruce wayne um sorry i thought at first that's where they were going and i thought like gene gray was going to sit down and have coffee with xavier uh. and i was like are we really getting that again um but when it was being, I just thought the two of them sitting down and him being like, let's play a game of chess. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. I loved that. I did think that was a great ending for both of them. He's like, I'll take it easy on it. No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> He's like, you're right. I'm like, oh, I love you two so much. Can I watch? And then a thousand fan fictions were written. No. <laughs> Paul, any comments about those two characters and how they wrap up or any other kind of last thoughts in general? No. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't rewatch this, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I just saw it the one time. I tried to f- see it again. Maybe I was going to watch like the first twenty minutes again, but uh, I didn't. I didn't find it anywhere. So that's fair. Um, it, it. I don't know. I, I. I feel like. I guess it was better than Apocalypse. 
Yes. yes. That's my review. Um, that's a good that's a good call. Yeah. So, you know, Apocalypse, um, Wolverine Origins. Yes. Like I don't even want to talk X3 about that. Movie. Are all Ow. I think X three and this are maybe close, I'm not sure. I think the first um, half of X3 is quite good. Yeah, and like yeah, I said, yeah. it, it's the great start to it. Like, it sets up so many great plot lines and just then goes nowhere with all of that. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember watching it and feeling like there were way too many characters introduced. And yeah. and that's, like, that's a decent pilot, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll rewatch it with that lens. But, yeah, I, I think the Dark Phoenix movie, like, my rating would be, like, probably not as bad as a lot of people said. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, far from the best X Men movie. Yeah. Not not in the top five. <laughs> yeah. Listen, speaking of Dark Knight Rises, you throw a Hans Zimmer soundtrack over anything, and I'm gonna love it. <laughs> I can't help it. I love him. I love the the score to this movie. Just I like the intensity. I yeah. like what he brings to movies. He makes everything, even like the train going down the tracks, just this epic music. Uh, I'm a sucker for. I'm a sucker for the X Men. I'm a sucker for Hans Zimmer. You put them and Dark Phoenix. You put them all in one movie, and I mm-hmm. cannot help. But like it, I can't help it. Do whatever you want. Look, I I think there's a great I think there's a great movie in there. I think there's some really bad editing and writing choices, but I think I yes. think it raises some great questions, and that to me is the heart and soul of what we do here. So and I'm glad I got to discuss it with you two. So thank you all so much too. for being a part of this. <clears throat> to our listeners and fans, would you all think uh, if you remember this movie, or if you didn't, the topics we're talking about obviously have relevance to so many different things today. Let us know what you think. Find us on Facebook or Twitter on at by looking for the Ethical Panda. That's kind of my name for all the different ethical podcasts I do. This one, the Star Wars Universe podcast. Ashley and I have just done a whole set of on the stand on PandaVision. You can also find all of those on strandedpanda.com. Also, if you want to support these podcasts, the single best thing you can do right now is help us grow. We've been growing for a bit now. We've got a lot of new voices in. It's a great thing. Um, as I get eh, as we get more listeners, we get more conversation, we get more potential um, uh, guests, more topics, things like that. And it really just is so much to help me do the things I need to to make these podcasts possible. So if you like these podcasts, share it with a friend. Tell a friend like, hey, uh, you remember that conversation we're having about this topic? Check out this podcast. Forward it on to them. Write a review for us. Those are all things that are just a huge way to help us grow this network, to help us grow the number of people who are part of these conversations, and just make it a lot more fun. Um, Now, I'm not the only one doing that kind of stuff. Paul, uh, for people who want to find more of your work, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, just look for Zen Madman and things will pop up, um, you know, <laughs> dot com, Twitter, Twitch, mostly yeah. Twitch, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, just at Zen Madman, wherever yep. things are added. Paul, there's a lot of great stuff out there on chess, on poker, on learning, uh, fiction, things like that. Definitely check out ZenMadman.com uh, as well as on, on those other places. <clears throat> so I'm by myself, Paul, Ashley, thank you all so much. Have a great day. <laughs>